Greetings and welcome to The House Podcast. My name is Michael and I'm so glad that you're here listening with us. The House Podcast shares the message each week from our local gathering in Central Ohio, which is a gathering of those practicing or interested in practicing the way of Jesus together in our city. In addition to the message given each week by the speaker, we also occasionally will share bonus content, such as interviews with speakers, more in-depth discussion around certain topics, and practical exercises that can help you grow as an apprentice of Jesus. The House Podcast is part of the VIA Podcast Network, which is a larger network of podcasts, all designed to help you and your community live out the way of Jesus in your context. For more information about The House or VIA, you can find us at theviacollective.com. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at thehouse.gathering. If you would like to contribute to The House financially, you can also do that at theviacollective.com. We're so glad you're here with us today, and may you be blessed by this week's message. Maria approached me and said, would you like to be my boyfriend? This is not something I had considered, but I immediately said yes. A feeling struck me that day. A warmth. Doctors might call it dopamine uh, in my brain. Uh, And I was surprised. It was Friday, and in our nap time, Maria asked me if I would like to put my nap cot beside hers. I wasn't sure the etiquette. And again, I just said yes. While we were not napping together, she looked at me and said, would you like to hold my hand? I was pretty much on a roll. (laughs) And there was no chance I was missing my first hand-holding experience. So I said yes. I put my hand out. She put her hand out. Um, It it wasn't a traditional boyfriend-girlfriend handle. It was like a mom and son, grandma. But that's okay. First times. Uh, And I remember two things. One, my arm really hurts. How long? How long must I hold my hand with your hand? And also, your hand is sweaty, Maria. Um, The day ended with many expectations were met. I came back. um, I came back Monday morning, and I was pretty psyched. I probably skipped. I don't remember. But I was pretty psyched to see my girlfriend. I came in, and when I walked into that kindergarten room that Monday morning, I could immediately tell, immediately tell, something had changed. Maria walked over to me, her head down, her, her countenance as if to say things had changed. And she said, we're not boyfriend, girlfriend anymore. And I thought, man, this is a rough weekend. And I said, why not? And she said, because I know you hate my guts. And I wanted to say, no, I love your guts, but I didn't know what guts were. And then she walked away. And I vowed to myself, I would never love again. It was too painful. Romance. <laughs> I don't know about that intro. I don't know. It was a little long. Um, I'm not sure if that worked out that way. I was hoping it would. Um, also, something about this talk. I don't know how long it's going to be. I have 16 slides. They're packed full of romantic information and scripture, uh, but I really don't know how long this is going to be. 16 minutes, 16 hours. I really have no idea. So far, it looks like 16 hours. Um, 
My topic tonight for you at the house is healthy Christian romantic relationships. I thought about making a clunky title that would take a long time to say, and that's it. Uh, healthy Christian romantic relationships, and um, I, uh, I'm excited about this topic. Excited about talking about it. Excited about getting it out there uh, and and discussing these things. So uh, let's talk about romance for a second. So romance, a feeling of excitement and mystery associated. Why don't you all say love with me in your best Barry White? if you know who that is, um, kind of way. Okay, so in your most romantic voice. Here we go. A feeling of excitement and mystery associated with? Love. I was thinking more like love. That was more what I was, kind of what I was thinking right there. So I thought I would start, after I told you my Maria story, with my favorite movie clip of all time to speak with about this topic of love and romance. Tanasha, how are you feeling about the sound? Feeling good about this? Here it is, my favorite, favorite, favorite movie clip about love of all time. It displays uh, all the ups and downs of love and an enduring optimism. Here it is. Louder. Louder, louder. I read you. Next line. I read you. I read you. All right, so uh, I want to say two things before I get started on this topic. Number one, I want to talk about singleness, and I want to talk about idolatry really fast. So I recently had a conversation with a young adult who told me they've been called to singleness, uh, and I very much embrace that. I said, absolutely. If that's how God's calling you uh, to singleness, then you need to walk that, and and I completely embrace it. And so if you have that feeling about your life, uh, do not feel guilty or shameful in any way in this conversation. Uh, Number two, uh, let's talk about idolatry. So idolatry is the idea that we take something and we place it above God in our life. And I think romance can actually be an idol. Uh, romance can feel like it's the answer. If I just had, if I just meet that perfect, perfect person, or if I can get the person I already have to be perfect, uh, then, then it's all going to work out, and all my needs will be met, and that's really not going to happen. So we got we got to lay down idolatry uh, as well. But I do want to mention to you that there's this uh, this idea in Genesis chapter two verse eight. The, uh, the Lord God said. By the way, that word Lord is the personal name of God. That's not a generic name for God. That's God's personal name. Uh, God, God personally said, um, the Lord God said, it's not good for people to be alone, for man to be alone. In this case, it's Adam he's talking about. Uh, I'll make a helper suitable for him. So we do understand that this idea of romance, romantic attractions, uh, all these things uh, come from God. That God really has a vision, a purpose, and something he wants 
when it comes to healthy Christian romantic relationships. Um, I'm just going to talk real fast about what I call five stages of romantic attachment. And so, you know, find yourself. All of you can find yourself in one of these five stages. So identify yourself. I'm going to talk about each one just for a second. Number one is what I call interest. Uh, in the interest phase, you know what this means, right? You're, you're innocently sitting somewhere, standing somewhere. You're single. Hopefully you're single in the interest phase. Uh, and you, uh, somebody walks by that you think to yourself, oh, I am now suddenly interested. Um, if you find yourself romantically interested in someone and you want it to be a healthy Christian romantic interest, then I would say to you the thing to do is pursue it. Uh, I know last time I was at the house back in October, I shared this story about myself. I'm just going to do it real fast. So I was in college. And there was a girl that I was in the interest phase with, and I didn't know how she felt, and I became a stalker. Um, it was an unintentional, an unintentional stalker. So I wanted to talk to her and ask her out on a date, but she was so fast to leave the class we had together, so she would grab her books and she'd leave. In a second, so I'd grab my stuff and I would leave, and I couldn't catch up to her. I just stalked her, basically, to her car, and then she would leave. Uh, and then the second time it happened, I could have caught her, but I was too afraid to talk to her, so I just kept following her. Um, like, I'm learning, a, I'm learning she's very fast-paced. She's a fast-paced woman. Uh, so this is not how you want to take the interest phase, which would be stalking. Um, if you find yourself interested, also you could you know, go to jail. Um, if, you, if you find yourself interested in someone, it's great. Have a conversation with them. You know, really find out. Find out what's happening. Uh, before I uh, began dating my wife, but very late in my romantic um, pursuing life, um, I found the best thing to do is if you, if you find yourself interested, just have a conversation with the person. Find out what they're like. Find out what's going on. You may find in the first five minutes of a conversation with someone you're interested in, you're no longer interested. Um, and you can just walk away. Do not romance the idea for a year and then find out you're incompatible. Just go have a conversation with them, right? Go hang out. Go, go talk to them in some way. Interest phase. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say interest? Number two, uh, beginnings. Oh, it's beautiful. Beginnings. Now, this is a phase fraught with danger. Um, this is where you let your intention be known. If you that you would like to spend some time, perhaps one on one, uh, perhaps with uh, an, an older aunt uh, or a babushka uh, for traditional courting. Uh, okay, you're probably not going that direction. But uh, this is where you really need to have a conversation, which basically says, "Hey, um, what's the chances of a guy like you and a girl like me?" Um, and in this phase of beginnings, I think really the best thing to do is just just be simple, be simple and direct. Hey, I'd like to get to know you better. Uh, I think that. You know, I'm interested in maybe something romantic. Could, is that possible? Just have a conversation. Simple, honest, direct. Uh, recently, I had a, uh, my daughter, my daughters asked me, they're all three in the kitchen, uh, 23, uh, Liz, um, how old are my kids? Uh, uh, 19, thank you, Olivia, 19, and Ella just turned 18. And they said, Dad, tell us some of your best pickup lines. That's what they said to me. They were like, Dad, tell us some of your best pickup lines when you were young and single. Uh, this was precipitated by a very awkward encounter I had at a piata in Columbus where a woman walked up to me and approached me, and she walked away, and Olivia, my daughter, said, Dad, you just got hit on. And I was like, did I? Oh, I did. Uh, I was touched. I was literally touched on the arm by a woman. Anyway, not important. Uh, so later, they were like, Dad, tell us your, tell us your best pickup lines. And so I, I gave them my best pickup lines. And I did it as if I was picking up my daughters. And they were like, Dad, you had some game. Like, that was actually pretty good. Uh, so, but all of it was really based on the idea that you're just, you're just, you're just simple. You're transparent. You're open. Hey, I, I just uh, think maybe I'd like to get to know you better. Are you interested in just like hanging out? And 
I'm actually kind of awesome. Um, I'm pretty fun. Um, and anyway, that wasn't the pickup line. But but in this phase of beginnings, you just make a, make an approach, have a conversation, be honest, be upfront. There are some places here for some unhealthy things, like I mentioned stalking before. Uh, also, unhealthy would be like just you know manipulating someone. You know, um, I w I'm just going to say this to you. You don't have to agree with me. I think whenever you're in a romantic relationship and it's undefined. It's always worse. It's better when it's defined. Better when you know they know what you're asking and you know what you what you want or what you think should be happening. Um, I did have a situation where someone told me they just started so dating someone. Church, one church, right? And they're like, Pastor Tom, I just started dating so-and-so. And so then I saw so-and-so. And I'm like, hey, I heard you're dating so other so-and-so. And he's like, we're not dating. And I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> there might be a miscommunication <laughs> in your relationship. He's like, who told you that? And I'm like, well, that's not important. <laughs> my, my, my sources are not really important. I did not feel at liberty to disclose. Uh, but uh, number three is dating. This is when you're actually agreeing that we are pursuing something. We're not engaged, right? We're not married. Uh, so this is a place where you really want to find out how compatible are we. Um, I'm going to suggest some things to you in this dating phase that I did with my wife. When we began dating, on my very first date with my wife, uh, we decided that we would end every date with prayer. Every time we finish a date, we're going to pray together. And we did. It was a great way to set the stage for marriage. If you feel comfortable as you begin dating someone, just to say that. This is really important. Um, I'm going to advise you that um, I think uh, dating is something you should take somewhat seriously. And you really want to find out, is this someone, you don't have to ask yourself, am I going to marry this person? But certainly you can ask yourself, is this someone that I can grow spiritually with? And if you can't grow spiritually with them, uh, maybe time to, to look elsewhere. Number four, engagement. This is where you're uh, in a period of time when you know you're, you've asked them, uh, you've had a conversation which says, yes, we want to get married. And you're kind of in this time frame where you're going towards getting married. And I would say the thing about engagement that's really, really important is that you understand you are not yet married. You're not yet married. So there are some things that you want to really protect in that engagement time frame of your relationship. Uh, staying overnight, probably even though you're like, we're going to be married in like a couple of months. What's the big deal? No, it kind of is a big deal. You really do want to protect that, that time when you, when you are married and do take the engagement, do it the right way that's there. Um, I'm going to highly suggest to you, I'm going to drop some numbers on you, something I really enjoy doing. Uh, so I've officiated 282 weddings, 282 weddings. Almost every wedding I have officiated, uh, I demanded that we do four premarital counseling sessions, and I highly recommend it. Meeting with a trained uh, counselor, pastor, before you get married to talk about what does it mean? What's it like to be married? Give, let them give you some instruction, some help in premarital counseling. There are two times that I did not do premarital counseling with a couple. Uh, one of them, uh, both of them were in their, well, she was 78, he was 82. And I, I said, you know, you guys are at a stage in life where I'm just going to recommend it, but I'm not going to force you to do premarital counseling. And they were like, well, we, you know, we think, we think we're going to be all right. We don't think we need that. Um, they also o both owned a house, and this was their arrangement. They were going to live in their own houses all week and then live together on the weekends. And, he, and this is what he said about it. He's like, I need my space. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is going to be great. Uh, so, and to my knowledge, they're still married, so that's great. Um, the other couple also was advanced in age, and I allowed them uh, to not do counseling. But I really recommend that premarital counseling. Uh, and then last of all, there's this phase, call, phase called marriage. And tonight, I'm going to probably focus in a lot on 
uh, healthy Christian marriages. I teach something called a balanced Christian marriage. I'm going to talk about that a lot tonight. Um, now, I know all, not all of you are married. Some of you uh, are married, uh, but not all of you are married. But, but I'm going to guess that if I talk about marriage, it's probably going to be something that all of you can connect to because you can talk to a, a friend about marriage uh, that, that is married, or the goal for you may one day to be married. I'm going to say probably for most of you here, uh, if you're not currently married, your goal probably is to find that right person and eventually be married. So if you are married, this will apply right now. If this is not, if you're not married, I just apply this forward in your life to a time when you might be. So um, that's some thoughts there. So um, I just gave you the five stages, and I want to tell you a really quick story uh, about this program that I teach called the five, so the balanced, uh, a balanced Christian marriage. So here's here's how it went. There's a lot of feedback on this microphone. I don't know if, if should I go to a handheld, pull it away from my face. Better, better. So, um, well, that's much more comfortable, isn't it? Um, so I'm going to tell you about this day I had. Uh, this was about 14 years ago. Uh, in this time in my life, I worked with high school students and college students, and we had a uh, Wednesday night youth group. And then Thursdays, I had all day Thursdays to kind of do what I wanted to. And so I would count, I would schedule counseling appointments. I got a master's degree in counseling. I would do counseling appointments on Thursdays. And I did my own schedule. We came to this certain day, and I realized, looked at my schedule, and I realized I had scheduled for myself seven counseling appointments in a row. I had three and a lunch and four more. All of them were marriage counseling. This is a really bad idea. They're all marriage counseling, and uh, of the seven couples, four of them wanted to get divorced. One, one partner wanted to get divorced, and this is their last-ditch effort. I'll just go to counseling. Fine, we'll go to counseling, but I want to get divorced. I want to be out. So I, I, I began this day, and I did counseling session after counseling session after counseling session, had a lunch. Praise God, I scheduled lunch. Sometimes I don't do that. Uh, then all afternoon, I'm counseling, and I, I walked out of the building, and I was what I call counseling drunk. Uh, I was slurring my words. Um, I couldn't walk a straight line. I had just too many words, too many people. And I was driving home, and I started having these thoughts about marriage. And I got home, and I grabbed my wife, and I said, honey, we need to talk about marriage. And she's like, our marriage? I'm like, no, in general, marriage. And we went outside because there were kids inside. Uh, and we had this really long conversation. And what came out of that was a model uh, that I teach in premarital counseling that I just want to lay on you today. And the, the, the emphasis of this model is that being married is one relationship. But there are actually, inside that one relationship, there are four roles that you play in marriage. Four almost like many relationships, but these relationships outside of marriage are huge, massive relationships. And when you understand all four roles inside of marriage, or if you're engaged, it's important to know these things as well, or if you're dating somebody, it's important to know these things as well. When you understand all four of them, then really you can have this balanced Christian relationship. Let's talk about the four, these four different relationships that are there. So the first one I talked about, uh, you can call me out and be like, Tom, that feels like two. Yeah, you're right. It does feel like two. But when you get married, you are going to become immediately upon that moment, you're going to become someone's roommate and someone's business partner. Unless you sign a prenuptial agreement, don't suggest that. It's a really bad suggestion. Uh, unless you sign a prenuptial agreement, it means that every financial decision someone that you marry makes, you own that. Pastor Tom, have you ever been with a couple in your office and one of them revealed a hidden $50,000 credit card debt? Yes, I have. Guess what? He didn't get to say, oh, did I reveal which couple, which one I was? Uh, he didn't get to say, that's not my debt. No, they're married. They're legally married. So her $50,000 hidden credit card debt, which she began defending by saying, when he makes me mad, I like to spend money. And I'm like, you seems like you're furious. <laughs> it's literally what I said in that moment. I, I, he, he was, she was, it was just like session one counseling. We're having some issues. Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, he doesn't know this, but I feel like I should tell him, and it seems safe with you, Pastor Tom. 
I've been spending some money that he doesn't know about. Oh, okay, how much? Well, I've got a few credit cards. How much? How much are you talking about? It's around $50,000. That's a big, that's a big drop, right? But it doesn't matter, right? Uh, because you're business partners for life. Every decision one of you makes affects the other, and you're also roommates uh, as well. By the way, guess what? So just imagine for one second. Just, just imagine if under some strange circumstance, imagine John and I, my very good friend John Mitchell, right here. Imagine if something happened and John and I decided to move in together and start a business. That's going to be a complicated relationship, right? And we don't need, we're not even sleeping in the same bed. And it's already complicated if John and I made that decision, right? That's, that's what happens when you get married. Whether you know it or not, that's exactly what happens. So here's, my, here's the definition here. This represents all the duties of a marriage, especially chores, household management. Oh, I got this memorized. Uh, chores, household management, and all the details of life. This is a big thing to work out with somebody. It's not about, this is not about romance, not about friendship. It's not about praying together. We're going to get to all that stuff. Don't worry. But this is a really big thing to understand that's part of a marriage. How many married couples in the room, how many guys ever had a conversation, which we'll call a tense conflict conversation, which was just in this category alone, just about money or chores, money or chores. If you're not raising your hand, you are lying. <laughs> oh, Michael's like, like maybe. Like, I'm in the back of the room. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Number two is what I call best friends. Now, maybe, you, maybe when I say best friends, you remember a best friend? I've had, I've had best friends in my life. Your best best. Mm. <laughs> this is a great category. <laughs> Let's just talk about it. Best friends. Uh, this all represents friendship and marriage. Sharing by, oh, oh. This represents friendship and marriage. Sharing your life by talking about your hopes, your dreams, your ups and downs, and even your day. Now, how many guys raise your hand? Everybody in the room raise your hand. If you would like to be married or are married to your best friend, raise your hand. This is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Best friends, right? Um, you want to work on this relationship. Best friends. You want to understand what friendship and marriage looks like because it's not the same. It's a different, distinctly different role than, than roommates and business partners. You've got to work on friendship in marriage. Friendship. Friendship is talking about, talking about your bad days, talking about your good days, talking about good things, you know, that are happening, friendship. And then the next one is what I call boyfriend-girlfriend. That's probably why you get married in the first place. You're not like, hey, we're really great friends. Let's get married. Um, that's probably not why it happens. You get married because, you're, because of this one. It's, it's just, this represents romance and romantic love. Examples include going on dates, holding hands on long walks, among other things. I'll let you take that where you want, among other things that are there. But uh, this is an important thing. It's a really important thing to understand in marriage how this boyfriend-girlfriend, how this romantic relationship works. And I'm going to tell you something about romance. I'm going to wait. I'm going to collect all of your attention. Uh, romance, there are a few general principles about romance, but it's very, very individual. What someone finds romantic, no one else might find it romantic. What I find romantic, my wife doesn't find romantic, Right? What, vice versa? So one of my jobs as her husband is to know, like, what does my wife, what, what, what for my wife is romantic? And how do I pull it off successfully? Right? I want to understand it. And we'll get to that in a second. Don't worry. Oh, this is probably the 16-hour version of this talk. Okay. Uh, and last of all, last of all is what I call brother, sister, in Christ. So this is part of the balanced Christian marriage. And this, this looks like this. This represents how you spiritually encourage and invest in each other. Stop right there. If you're in any kind of dating relationship or engaged or married, you should think about these two words. How do I spiritually encourage and invest in the person I'm dating or married to? Encourage, invest in. It's a really, really important thing. And then last of all, just being biblical, leadership comes from the husband, but both spouses have a large role to play 
in the relationship. So, let's, so here's what I say about these, about these four things. So romance and business partners, best friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister in Christ. So, so if you want to, you can take a picture of that if you want to with your phone. Um, I say this is, the, this is the hardest one, hardest one, easiest one, most fun, most important. Some things you might do with these four things if you are dating someone or married is you might just rate them. Rate them one through four. Here's the one that we're thriving at, we're the best at. Here's the one we're really good at, right? Here's, here's, the, here's one that we're, we're really good at. Here's one that we uh, need to grow in. Here's how they break down in our relationship because a lot of couples, when the couples come see me for counseling, a lot of times this is what's happening. If they're, if they're doing okay, they would say, we're, we're, we're okay here and we're okay here. We're struggling here and this doesn't exist. If they're really struggling, this is what they say. This, does, this doesn't exist, this doesn't exist, this doesn't exist. We're basically roommates, right? They've, they've ignored all these different roles in marriage. So if you're here and you're married tonight, I would say some things you can do. I make couples do this. We just rate them one through 10. 10's the highest, uh, one's the lowest. If they put a 10, I lose all respect for them. Uh, I, had, I have one potential groom put all four 10s, and I was like, you should probably leave. Because I don't think you're ready to get married uh, if you think you have tens in all four categories, uh, right? But you can rate them and then put one goal. That's what I make couples do. Give us, give us a number and give us one goal just to make it better. You know, a real goal. Concrete, measurable, real goal, right? It's very helpful. So I like to go th- what I call 3D on these. It sounds like a horse is in here. Do you hear that? Like a, it's like, I like to go 3D on this, and I say, so if you think about those four things, you know, kind of like in a one dimension, so underneath them are these three concepts that go underneath them. This is, by the way, this is a really, really good and healthy conversation we're having. So all four of these, you want to have the understanding of each of these have a different kind of communication. In all four categories, I want to grow in my knowledge, but the ultimate goal in all of these is trust. Ultimately, I want to trust the person that I'm married to. So communication, let's talk about it. Uh, the Bible gives us some instructions on communication, but let me say this about the Bible. Uh, I love the Bible. I have dedicated my life to studying the Bible, but the Bible's instruction on marriage communication is not exhaustive. You, can, you cannot take this one verse and be like, oh, that's everything. Uh, husbands, uh, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. As long as I'm not harsh, everything's great. Uh, there's, there's a lot more than that, right, that's there for communication. Uh, in fact, I, w- I would say, uh, before I go to that concept, I would say, this is, I think this is really important about marriage and scripture. Every verse in the Bible about relationships applies in marriage. Every single one. Every r- verse in the Bible about relationships, all the one another's, applied in, in a Christian marriage. So that's, that's we'll come, we'll, I'll show you some just in a minute, so don't worry about that. Communication, the, go- the goal here is this. Every interaction can build up, tear down, or have no effect on a romantic relationship. So um, there's a study done, psychological study done, on over 9,000 couples. That's a huge study. It was done in two places. One, University of Minnesota. Secondly, in Seattle. And they, they did the same study of 9,000 couples. And they brought them in. They hooked them up to all these electrodes. And they asked them to have these pre-canned conversations. They're all married. To, and the conversations go like this. Like, um, talk about something that you normally have conflict with. And they had a conversation about conflict. And they got upset, they got mad, they got whatever. And they were watching, grad assistants, not you know, people that got, you know, didn't make much money, uh, scored all the conversations and they put it in three categories. Uh, the conversation was, um, it was nice, neutral, or what they called not, uh, nasty. So some conversations, they were nice, they were neutral, or they were nasty. And what they found in this, in this entire study was something really, really shocking, that every topic you have can build up your relationship. Every topic can build up your relationship. It can be neutral. 
or it can tear down your relationship. Every topic, every single thing. Honey, could you get some milk on the way home? When you come home from work, stop and get some milk, right? You can, that conversation can build up. You can, you can be like, honey, I just love being married to you. I love that you drink milk. And just like this milk, you are whole. You, right? It can be neutral. Okay. It can, it can tear down. Why do you always, I can never please you. Oh, you always want something. Why do you always want something, right? Any conversation can, can, can tear down or work out. Communication. Okay, these might not be in order. All right. So I'm going to give you four types of marital communication. Maybe I should have looked more at this presentation before giving it. Uh, oh, whoops. That didn't work out very well. Uh, so four kinds of communication in marriage. Number one is what I just called everyday information. That's the milk conversation. Number two, a daily debrief. You talk about your day. Number three is... Uh, your spouse is stressed and you are not the cause. That does happen, by the way. Um, your spouse is stressed and you're not the cause of their stress. This is something you really want to know. How do, how do I respond when my spouse is stressed and I'm not the cause? And I really want to know uh, your spouse is stressed and you are the cause. Like in both of those scenarios, you want to have a game plan going in for communication. Uh, I'm not going to go into that right now because I feel like I'm losing time. Um, we're not doing the 16-hour version of this talk, uh, but uh, this is, these are important things. Okay, here's a Bible verse. Here's a verse about Christian relationships that you should apply to communication in marriage. Here's what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is a great idea for communication in marriage. In fact, I'm going to change one word. Clothe yourself means, it means like put, up, put on this robe, act this way, be like this. I'm going to put, change one word here. I'm changing the Bible, so judge me. Uh, but here's the word I'm changing. Express yourself. Here, I'm going to say it again. As God's chosen people, holy and love, express yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is how every verse in the Bible applies directly to marriage in that way. Communication in my four categories go like this. So you're talking in this first, first category, your, your business partners and roommates. That's, that should be direct, non-emotional, fact-based conversation. It does not go like this. You didn't do the dishes because you don't love me. Right, you you didn't clean the thing because you, you know, no. It's just it's a business-like, direct, fact-based communication, adult to adult, with respect. That's how you want to communicate in this business category. Number two, friendship. This is warm and friendly, open communication, sharing from the heart. Now you know and I know something about this kind of communication. The, the, you grow a friendship by just being open. The more open you are, the deeper your friendship is. You want to you want to become closer to somebody? Tell them your deepest fear or a fear. You, just want, you want to grow in a relationship? Just open your heart. Share something with them. Get, get, get deeper. Go, go to a deeper place with them in that way. That's how relationships work for friendship, and that's why you should be in marriage. If you're in a marriage, I'm going to say this a little fearfully, but I'll say it. If you're in a marriage and you're afraid to bring up a topic, that's a red flag. You should, you should just, like, any, everything should be on the table, right? Everything should be on the table. I'm not afraid to bring this up. Now, I can be strategic about when I bring it up, like first thing in the morning, honey, you're spending too much money on clothes. <laughs> like, that's probably not the strategic time to bring it up. But if, if there's any topic that you're afraid to, to bring up in a relationship, that's a red flag. You should know, I'm confident in this relationship. We can talk about anything, right? Because we're friends. Because friendship allows us to have this. Now, this is really important I'm going to say next. Uh, rom romance. So romantic conversation should be warm and sweet and a little bit mysterious. This is where friendship and marriage and romance and marriage are very different. A lot of couples, I'm going to say something, you're going to miss it, but it's super good what I'm going to say. A lot of couples, a lot of good Christian couples, they are so good at being best friends that best friends swallows up romance. They go on dates, guess what? They're best friends on their date. It's a friendship date, 
right? Romance is different than friendship. And when you understand that and you can pull it out and you can, and you can put that on, right? Now, here's the thing about why, why that happens. Friendship is easy. What's the required attire for friendship? Sweatpants. <laughs> right? If I want to be your friend, I will put on my most comfy, cozy, co- my, my clothes, my comfy clothes, right? In my house, this, we're, this is, judge me, please judge me. Uh, we call them comfies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get on my comfies. Oh, oh, it's awful. I don't, I don't say it. The kids say it. Tracy said it. I don't say it. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I will go put on some leisure attire. They're like, I got to put on my comfies, right? Friendship is comfies, right? But you, if you, is this really how you want to go on a date? Right, sweatpants, right? Right, so, but so, so, so uh, the romantic side takes effort. You know, one night in my marriage, I'm this very honest thing. I actually did, my wife was gone. She was at a Bible study. And while she was gone, I, I did all cliche romantic things. I bought roses. I had petals from the front door. I had petals from the front door, from the front door all the way up to the bedroom. I had, this was my goal, 50 candles. I had 50 candles. It was brighter than when the lights are on. (laughs) I had 50 candles in my bedroom. I had soft, romantic music playing. And I couldn't wait for her to go. And she came in the door, you know, like in her normal mode. She opens the door. She's like, this is what she said. Oh, oh, oh. She, and then she's like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Oh, she's like, oh, I like, oh, I like, oh, oh. And then she's like, who's going to pick up the rose? I'm, I'll pick them up. <laughs> and she walks in the bed, and she opens the bedroom door, and it's like the kids are all in bed. They're bathed, you know, fed. They're all in bed. She, op- she opens the door, and she's like, oh, I like what you did. Oh, t- oh, you took a lot of time here. Close the door. The music's playing. You know what I mean? It's beautiful. But you know what? If I, if I did that every Friday night for a year, she'd be like, Really? Again? Right? With the rose petals everywhere. They stink up the house. Right? Like, do you know how much candles cost, honey? Candles are expensive. You can't be better than 50 candles. Right? There, there's a, that's not my wife's not like that, but I'm just saying romance, you, you got to be creative. Right? It's got to be new stuff happening all the time. You can't, this is why romance is hard and friendship is easy. You cannot let, listen to me, you cannot let your best friend role swallow up your romance role. You got, you got to think about it carefully. It, it, it needs some mystery to survive. It needs, it needs like some, some creative thought to be working, right? And then last of all, spiritual. This is sacred communication, talking about God, talking to God. And now I'm just going to say a couple things about this. I feel like I have a communication motif, which is like, I'm just going to say. I don't know why I keep saying that. Um, I'm going to change my motif to, you better listen to this. That's my new motif. You better listen. Uh, it can be scary in a marriage to pray together. So here's what you should do. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Talk about who's going to pray about what, and then just pray together. Okay, let's keep going. So number two is knowledge. Number one is communication. Number two is knowledge. So this is a statement I like to make. Number one mistake in marriage. Oh, I shouldn't have given you the whole answer one time. Uh, number one mistake in marriage is this. Number one mistake. In my experience, and people I talk to and that I see, number one mistake in marriage is to forget that your spouse is different from you. Number one mistake. This is what a lot of married couples do. When you're married, don't do this. You just assume your spouse likes what you like. They, you know, whatever you think would be great is what they think would be great. You forget that they're a unique person. Now, Jesus did say this. Jesus did say, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. But it didn't mean exactly, exactly as you want. You've got to think about the person you're married to, their unique set of needs, what's romantic to them, how they operate, how they tick, what they're like. You can't just be like, this is what I'm, I'm doing for you, what I would like. No, do for them what they would like. Knowledge, you're, so you're gaining knowledge of them. Life is better when you know what you want. That's the statement I like to make. Life is better when you know what your spouse needs. This is a really good idea. 
you should probably pay me for this talk, honestly. Um, I don't see like an offering or anything, but I got a Venmo. We'll talk about it later. Because um, this is really important information. That might have been inappropriate. Uh, life is better when you know what your spouse needs. That's a, if you're dating someone, figure it out. What do they need? What are some basic needs that they have? What, what, how, how do they communicate? What's their style of communication? What, what do they really need from me? How, how, do, they, how do they tick? How do they, how do they operate? Like, what are the things that are really foundational for them? And then last of all is trust. I'm going to probably end this talk on this. There's a whole bunch of slides you're not going to get, right? That's just a reality. you got to deal with that. Uh, trust uh, is the core. This is really, really this place that you want to get to in marriage in all four categories. You want to trust the person you're married to as a business partner and as a roommate. What that means is that, is that uh, when, they, when, they don't, when they're not the best roommate in the world, you still trust them. Like, I, I know they'll pick that up. I know they'll get to that. I don't have to remind them. I don't have to nag. I don't have to go on and on. Right? I just trust. I trust in this cat or friendship. I, I trust. So here's where I am with this. I trust that my wife sees the best in me and she reminds me who I am when I'm down. It's a great thing. That's trust. Romantic trust. There's a trust there in that romantic part and then especially spiritually. So trust. Uh, romantic trust. I trust you want to know me. You want the best for me and I can trust my heart to you. If you're married and you can't make that statement, this is a red flag that you would say. I don't really trust that you want to know me because you're so into who you are or what you're doing or your life. I can't really trust that you want the best for me because you want the best for yourself. And I can't really trust my heart to you. That's a sad, sad place to be. Time to get help. And there's lots of help out there. Michael will help you for sure. Building trust is your most important task when beginning a romantic relationship. So if you're just starting, if you're in that, you're in the interest phase, right? Um, or you're just beginning a relationship, building trust is the most important thing. Getting to know them, understanding them, what they're like, what they need. I'll tell you when, I, when my wife and I first were first married. Now, uh, when I married my wife, I did not know her. Uh, we had an arranged marriage by Jesus. Uh, but this is what happened. Here's my timeline. I met my first conversation with my wife was on December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, not important. Uh, December 7th, first conversation. First date, December 14th. Engaged April 1, married August 2nd, pregnant October 1st. My wife likes to say, I never knew Tom during football season. I didn't know. I never, we didn't date. We didn't, I didn't know his life. Might not have gotten married uh, <laughs> if that was the case. But we, we got married so fast that when we started going on dates, my, my question for our dates was like, what, what, like what works on a date for us? And this is what I defined as works. When, we, when this date ends, what can we do that I'll feel closer to my wife? So I found some things out. This is good for information for you. I found out I like going to movies and my wife goes, likes going to movies. That's a bad day for us. We're going to go see a movie. I'm going to sit side by side. We're going to eat popcorn. We're going to go home and not be closer to each other. But there are things we can do. You know what I mean? We can, we can just go to a restaurant, sit down together, have a meal, talk about whatever, and we'll go home closer to each other. Right? My wife and I, during the pandemic, we went to almost every single park in Columbus on Fridays. So day out, we both had Fridays off. We'd make a picnic. We'd make a picnic lunch. Right? We had two really, really comfortable chairs, and we'd go to almost every park in Columbus. We'd research it. We'd go. We'd sit there. And that was something that really works for us. Building trust. Maintaining trust is your most important task as you grow in a romantic relationship. A couple last things. I think I might get all my slides. Um, this is important to note. Tim Timothy 2.22. Flee from youthful passions, it's 1 Timothy, and pursue righteousness. If you're, if you're thinking about a healthy Christian romantic relationship, this is a good verse for you. Avoid, avoid situations where youthful passions are going to take over. Another verse to think about. Here's the full verse in Colossians. All these apply to marriage. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself. I said express yourself. 
with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. These are great verses for healthy Christian romantic relationships that are there. Next steps is the end of the talk. If you're not in a romantic relationship, start praying. If you're not even interested in someone, I have no relevant interest. That's a sad place to be, and I'm sorry that you're there. I've been there myself personally. Just start praying. My wife did this thing before she met me uh, where she made a detailed list of the man she felt like God wanted her to marry. Her detailed list had 12 things. And every guy that she dated or met, she compared him to her 12-item list. And I was the only one that hit all 12 right here. I might have only gotten 10. I don't know. Uh, but uh, she didn't write some things. I'm like, you didn't write tall. <laughs> like, tall is not on that list, right? Smooth communicator, not on that list, <laughs> right? Uh, start praying. Start thinking about what you want. If you, if you want to be in a romantic relationship and you're not yet, um, I, I'm going to, so make a list. Start praying. If you really want to start one right now, promise God you won't date anyone. They come flocking. They come like out of the woodwork uh, when you make that. Like, I will not date anyone for six months. You're going to have like 10 people at your door. Um, it's just how it happens. Uh, number two, uh, if you are in a dating relationship, think about communication. Think about all those things I said. Communication that builds up. Don't, don't even settle for neutral communication. Communication that builds up. Um, I'll just say this for the men in the room. Uh, I, when I was first married, I went to a Christian counselor's convention in Nashville. We stayed at the Opryland Hotel. I just said the word Opryland as an adult. Um, Opryland Hotel. And I went to a session about marriage counseling, and the presenter said, uh, he said this, women achieve intimacy verbally. They need verbal intimacy. They will clo feel closer to you as you talk. And I thought, this is ridiculous. My wife does not need more words from me. That is absolutely ridiculous. So I did an experiment, did my own experiment. I went home from the con I was so mad at this guy for saying that. I was like, this guy's an idiot. And so I kept a little notebook with me all day long. And I was like, okay, woke up, 6.02, brushed my teeth, 6.05. How was it? Minty and delicious. Kept a list all day long. I had a whole list for the whole day. And I, I come home from work. I, I go to work at the church, come home. And my wife's like, hey, how was your day? I'm like, sit down, baby, sit down. And she sits down on the couch. And I'm like, here's what happened in my day. 6.02, woke up. 6.05, brush my teeth, minty and delicious. And I kept going through my day. I got to 10 a.m. It was like detailed to 10 a.m. I'm like, do you really want to, is this making you feel more intimate with me? Do you really want to hear this? And she's like, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. <laughs> so I made a decision that I would bring home to my wife every day from my day something frustrating, something funny, and something fulfilling. My three little Fs. And I'd bring home my wife every single day something frustrating from my day. Sometimes it was like this. I didn't see you enough. That was frustrating. Something fulfilling from my day. And something funny from my day, every day. If you're, if you're in a relationship, think about that. If you are, think about knowledge, growing in knowledge of the person that you're dating or married to. Just learn about them. What are their needs? Don't pretend like they're you. Learn their needs. Pray for them. Think about them. And number four, um, if you are, think about trust. Just think about what it means to, to trust. I'm going to transition last thing here and say, if, you're, if you are married, category one, you're married. Category two, uh, you're dating somebody and you're not sure how it's going to go, or category three, you're not dating someone, all of those require trust in God. All of them. If you're married, it requires trust in God. Right? Because even if you have a great marriage, bad things happen. Right? Diagnosis, disease, awful things. If you're just dating and not sure, it requires trust in God. Right? If you're, if you're not yet dating, it requires trust in God. So why don't you guys just bow your heads. I hope you enjoyed my 16-hour talk.
And I just want you to express to God right now. Just tell God, this is a faithful statement you're making. Just tell God, I trust you. In the romantic area of life, God, I trust you. Now take a moment, if, wherever you might be in this case, and just pray. God, lead me, guide me. Ask God this question, if you would. Just ask God this question. Um, God, what should I take away from this talk? What's one or two things I should take away? Maybe something about trust. Maybe the, something from the balanced Christian marriage. Just ask God, what's my, what are takeaways, God, for me? And now turn your prayer towards worship. Just say, God, I want to I worship you. God, I'm laying down any anxiety, especially any social anxiety. I'm laying down my fear. I'm coming to a place, God, where I want to draw near to you and to worship you tonight.